glory never gets old. And for a born-again believer, he should never get old. Genesis chapter number 6 tonight. Amen. Uh, let me make mention of this. They will be here at 9 o'clock tonight to pick up their um, inflatables. So uh, we'll, when we're done, you want to get you a hot dog. And if you want to slide, you need to get to it. Amen. And, uh, but by that time, hopefully they'll run out of gas and worn out. How's that? Genesis chapter number 6, verse number 13. God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood, room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. I've got one more verse I want to read. You'll need not turn to it, and that is in Matthew 24, 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall the also the coming of the Son of Man be. The most famous ship to ever, ever sailed was the HMS Titanic. Tonight, with the help of God, I want us to look at the real unsinkable ship. The real unsinkable ship. Matthew, lead us to the throne of grace. Amen. The HMS Titanic in her day was a state-of-the-art ocean liner. She was 882 feet long. Her beam was 92.5 feet and 60.5 feet from the waterline to the boat deck. She consisted of nine decks. She was designed to remain afloat with any two of the compartments flooded, possibly even three. She carried 329 first-class passengers, 285 second-class passengers, 710 third-class passengers. And on her maiden voyage across the Atlantic, she literally carried 2,227 on board, the passengers and the crew. On April the 15th, 1912, she sank on her maiden maiden journey. Of the 2,227 passengers and crew, only 705 of those, only 705 of those literally, um, my thing just went crazy. Only 705 of those survived. It was, she was part of what was called the Olympic class ship. And largely understood that this Olympic class ship was unsinkable. As a matter of fact, many considered these Olympic style ships to be the lifesavers 
of all the other ships. The boast was made of the Titanic that it was unsinkable. As a matter of fact, it was said that when they christened her, the boast was made that even God couldn't sink this ship. I don't know about you, but they probably would have done well to have left him out of it. They might have just done well to have just not brought his name into the picture whatsoever. They would have done well to have just not made such a statement because there certainly was a God listening. And matter of fact, she sunk and, and it's amazing at the end of this great, great, enormous, magnificent ship. It ended with just two boards on the shore, saved and lost. And everybody's name was either on one of those two sides. Isn't that interesting? So tonight as we think about this, and I I couldn't help but think, man, what an illustration. What an illustration. And with this backdrop, I couldn't help but think, man, we just got to preach on. Because before the HMS Titanic, there was the HMS Deliverance called the Ark. Praise God. And I want you to know, it truly was unsinkable. And so tonight, let me give you three things about this Ark. And Boy, we, we had a good time in our, our my class. We talked about the Ark and Noah and a uh, lot, of, lot of good discussions. It was a blessing. I enjoyed it. And a lot of things about this, this ark that I still don't know, but I'm, a, I'm interested in knowing. But, uh, but listen, now let me give you three things. Number one, I see in this story a society that was destitute of God. The Bible says in verse number five, And God saw the wickedness of man that was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. And he repented the Lord that he had made man on earth, and it grieved him at his heart. Things were so bad in that day that it literally grieved the heart of God that he had even made man. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that sad? That anything could be so bad, but yet, you know, you read this and you cannot help but, uh, but imagine and think, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man cometh, how much today we're seeing. That verse that was read in verse, that I just read to you in verse number five, could be read tonight of the United States of America, could it not? It's amazing. It was a time of spiritual departure. Genesis 6, 3, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. You realize it was a day men lived to be almost a thousand years. Methuselah lived 969 years, almost a thousand years. Most of you patriarchs lived to to be several hundred years old. But the Bible says that my spirit shall not always strive with the hearts of men. You know what, you know what burdens a, a preacher and a pastor? Is this morning, and I appreciate those that did respond and do business with God, but you know what burdens me? 
is those that sat here this morning that needed to do business with God and took another chance that the Spirit of God will give them one more opportunity. You and I understand something tonight. You don't get saved when you want to. You get saved when the Spirit of God draws you to an altar. And those that this morning I wondered and I fear for that and I think about that. At what point does God say, His Spirit said, Okay, I'll leave you to yourself. So I believe the greatest judgment of God, it, it could be this on earth, and that is God quits talking to you. God quits moving you. God quits nudging you. It was a time, and there was two distinct classes of people in that day. There were sons of God and the daughters of men. And, uh, boy, we got in that discussion yesterday. Man, what a great discussion that was on who they were and what they were. We'll not talk about that tonight, but if you're interested, come see me after service. One thing for sure and certain, God was forgotten and forsaken. There was no place for God. There was no room for God. There was no time for God. There was no desire for God. It was a time of spiritual apostasy. In other words, it was a day and hour when people were not interested in anything to do with God at all. And we're almost there today, are we not? Job said this, and, and, and boy, he had their attitude down. He said, Therefore they say unto God, Depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve Him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto Him? That's the attitude of our world today. Job, Isaiah said this, And behold, joy and gladness, slaying oxen and killing sheep, eating flesh and drinking wine. Here's the attitude. Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. My, what an attitude to have in this lifetime, is it not? I see a time of spiritual departure. There was a time of shameless depravity. In verse 4 and 5, And there were giants in the, in the earth in those days, also, after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, and the same become mighty men, which were old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I was listening the other week to a preacher, and he made this statement. He said, the difference between sin and evil is this. Sin is we miss the mark with God. Evil is when we think about how to injure and to hurt someone else. Are we not sin that day today? Even in our very midst. Well, that was a state, that statement in verse number five is, is an amazing statement. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Oh my goodness. And we see the root cause of all that we see today in our world. It's not a hand problem, an eye problem, a foot problem, or a mouth problem. It's a heart problem. And the heart is on evil continually. And they live to sin, and they live for viler ways. They were always pushing the envelope. 
I read an article the other day, and it's just, it's, it's, it's scary. And this was the article. The article was, since now that they, we have passed legislation that says you can have same-sex marriage, those that want polygamists that want two and three wives... Well, they are there. But those that want two and three wives should have the same right as those that have the same sex marriages. And they are pushing now to get it to the Supreme Court. It gets worse. So then they said, well, if they're going to have right to the same sex marriage that we've done, our Supreme Court is already... Uh, given permission to. And this group says that we should have the right to have as many wives as we want. Then the next group says this, we should be able to have the right to have sex with our own children. If they've got a right, then we ought to have a right. And I don't know about you, but there's something kind of sick about that. It goes to show you how that they keep pushing the envelope, keep pushing the envelope, keep pushing the envelope. And their Bible says in their their hearts and was evil continually. Genesis 6, 11, the earth also was corrupt before God. The earth was filled with violence. You say, preacher, have you heard the ladies? You can't even turn on the TV anymore without there's not been a shooting or, or some kind of craziness. Amen? And you say, wow, man, I can't believe the day we're seeing. It happened here. It happened here. Right before God sent a flood and judged the world, it happened. Don't miss this. Hallelujah. When you see all this stuff, we ought to get ready to go to the house. Pray, we're leaving out of here. Amen. So we see a society destitute of God. But I love this. In the midst of this whole society, there was a saint. There was a saint devoted to God. He might have been the only one, but in the midst of this dark, immoral backdrop, there was a bright, shining Lot. And then uh, I said this yesterday. If you took this room and darkened it just as dark as you couldn't even see your hand, and in the corner somebody turned on the light, you, you immediately everybody would look there. And that was a society that Noah built this ark in. He was, he was, if you will. That bright and shining light in a dark world. Dear Christian, now I, I'm going to get right real practical now. Number one, if there is ever a day, if there's ever a day that you and I as born again believers, I, I need something, brother. Back there in where we go into the baptistry, your little flashlight is right there on the ledge where I left it. 
So I need you to get you a flashlight so I can put it back where it goes. I need to buy it. Yeah, back here. I need that little flashlight for just a little bit. John Phillips writes, With the world crumbling around him, that giant figure towered above his time, hewn out of granite, standing like a lonely uh, monolith pointing to the sky. Amen. And in a society that had exhausted the patience of God, there was one man who experienced the grace of God. If there's anything... You and I tonight need more than anything in the world. We need to be a bright, shining light. You youngins that's a fixing going to school, look up here at me now. All you kids, look at me for just a little bit. You don't need to be in school acting like the rest of the heathens. You hear what I'm saying? You need to be, don't be acting like the rest of the heathens. You need to be a bright, shining light. Light in that school. Now listen to me. The light draws a lot of stuff. I got a light on my front porch. And when I drive up, it comes on. And before we can get in the house, it draws all kinds of bugs. You know what I'm talking about? So we got to rush in the house ahead of the bugs. And if not, we're we're killing bugs all night long. In the house. I need, I need to help some of you tonight. If you are a bright shining light, you're going to draw a lot of stuff. You're going to draw some criticism. Oh, goody two-shoes over there. Oh, they think they're better than everybody else. Oh, I tell you what, they think they... they th- oh, super-duper person. Hey, preacher boy. That's what they called Matthew. So if you're going to be a bright shining light, you're going, to, you're going to draw a lot of things. Now listen to me. I think some of us as parents, we want to protect our children, and we should. I, I, I think a man ain't worth his salt if he won't protect his children. But if you want your child to be a bright shining light in that schoolhouse, you're going to have to understand there's going to be a lot of darkness. All right? Now, here's what God said I want you to do. Boy, that's a bright light. Amen. Here's what's happening, though, with the whole... Here's what's happening to some of you. Here's what's happening to some of you. Well, go ahead and cut them lights out. That'll help me out here. That's what some of you are doing right now. Some of you, you know that you're to be that bright, shining light. And you know, praise God, that you're supposed to, to shine for the glory of God. Amen. And you know you're to be that bright, shining light. But here's what happens is this. When, when you're too ashamed and, and you're too, you, 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 don't, you don't want to be, I, I, I'm a little bit concerned. I want my youngest to be different. Well, half the crowd in school is a bunch of gays. I want my grandsons different. I want my granddaughter different. Here's what some of you are doing now. Whenever you are that bright and shining light and you sin, and you sin publicly, you sin in this world, and you're, you're not what you ought to be, here's what you're doing to that light. Now look at me now. I didn't say you weren't saved. The light's on. 
But it ain't doing much good, is it? It's on. You're saved. I didn't say you weren't saved. But when you sin, what you're doing is you're covering up the light. You know what Noah done? Noah, bless God, didn't cover up the light. Noah lived in the light. You said, but you don't understand. You don't understand. Noah would say, take your baby aspirin get over it. Noah would say, what are you talking about? I live in a society that's just as bad and just as wicked. And they made fun of him. They poked fun of him. They talked about him. Can you see that fanatic down there building that ship? Hey, that crazy Noah. I believe everywhere you went, somebody said, you know the dude down here building this big, you know? Yeah, that's crazy Noah. That's crazy Noah down there building that ship. I wonder here tonight how many of you need to get your heart right, need to be right with God, because the school, the world, the job, your home needs a bright and a shining light to be burning in it. Mom and Daddy, let's quit making excuses when our kids say they're saved, but they don't live like they are. You better find out they're wheat or tear. You better find out they're real. No one was unaffected by the world. He's a just man. He's a righteous man. He's a godly man. Someone says, he's a man not with God. It doesn't matter. Listen to me. Listen to me. I've heard this. Boy, I live for God, but my wife won't. I'm going to tell you something. No matter how your wife or your husband does, you ought to live for God. I want you. It doesn't matter if you're the only person in that school, in that workplace, if you're the only person in that house of living for God. You ought to live for God and give it your very best. Noah was unaffected by the world. Number two, he was uncontaminated. By the world. Perfect in his generation. Perfect does not mean sinless, but it means blameless. Didn't catch him down at the ABC store. Hey, some dude, I don't know who he is. I'm going to find out. But I seen him pull out the ABC store and some old old car had one one of our tags on the front of it. I said, dear gosh. I took a good look to make sure it wasn't none of you. You better be glad it wasn't. Because I would have come to your house and I would have said, if you're going to the ABC store, take my son off the front of your car. But it wasn't. I don't know who he was. He must, but I thought, Lord, have mercy. He was perfect in his generation. James once we said, pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fathers and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Noah kept himself unspotted from the world. Let's quit making excuses of why we can't live for God. Noah made no excuses. He was unmoved by the world. He walked with God. Uh, This is the greatest advice I've ever been given. People would ask Dr. Hiles. He's been in heaven since 2001. Someone said, Dr. Hiles, what's the greatest advice you can give to a young preacher or to a young Christian? Here's what he'd say. Walk with God. Walk with God. 
See, it's walk with God's what you do tomorrow, on Wednesday, on Tuesday, and on Wednesday. By the way, this is a good time for me to insert this. How many of you come up and got one of these prayers the other day? How many of you got one of these prayers the other day? Okay, don't you die lie on God. How many of you prayed that every day? Hallelujah. Okay, there's some more hands in this. Went and got one. Why did you pray it? I'm like my daddy used to say, I'm not talking here in my head roar. He used to tell me that. I'm not talking here in my head roar. I thought I, thought, I could still remember his little boy telling him, well, dad start talking quieter and I, it won't be a roar. But I, I wasn't that brave. Amen. You ought to get that. If you don't have that tonight, you ought to come, you ought to come up here in a little bit and get you one because it's a great prayer. It's a great prayer. You ought to pray it every day. And you ought not only pray it, but you ought to mean it. Here's the prayer. Holy Spirit of God, thank you for being my comforter and guide today. And as best as I know how I yield myself to you right now, I ask you to feel me, to control me, to lead me, and guide me. I need you today. I choose to be a servant of righteousness. I choose to follow your call. I choose to live in the Spirit and be spiritually minded. And I ask you to have complete control of my life as I serve you today. I've done it. I've done your work. I printed it. I, I put it in a card form. But you've got to come to get it to pray. I'll make that available after service. You can come up here and get you one. They'll be right up here. You come and get you one. But don't you come and dare get one if you're too lazy to pray it, if you're not going to pray it. He's uncontaminated by the world. He's unmoved by the world. Well, I want you to know, I love this society destitute of God, saint devoted to God. And last of all, a ship designed by God. One day, God gave Noah a blueprint and a heavenly commission. He said, I'm going to make you captain of the HMS Deliverance. He said, we're going to call it an ark. God said unto Noah, all the flesh, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And, I, and, and if he'd stopped right there, even with Noah and his family, he'd been just in doing so. But here's what he said. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without. This possibly may be the greatest verse that I've ever read in Genesis 6.22. Thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so did he. He didn't argue. He didn't debate. Well, God, it's just too hard. God, I can't do that. I, I got to work and do. I got, I got a job. I can't do that. God, that costs too much. God, I can't do that. He made no excuses. He did all that God commanded him. So did he. God said it, Noah did it. God said, flood's coming. Noah said, what's a flood? I'm going to bring rain. And Noah said, what's rain? See, it had never rained. 
It never flooded. The water was, earth was watered from the bottom up, a mist. And so for 120 years, let me give you a few things about this ark. And it's a picture of the Savior and salvation. Number one, the sealing of the ship. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark. Shall pitch it within and without with pitch. Ship was made out of cypress wood. Cypress wood, it's a very endurable, it doesn't rot. It's interesting, isn't it? Gopher wood in the Bible is the type of the humanity of Christ. The ark symbolized Jesus becoming a man. And before the wood had to be used, it had to be cut down. It had to die. And in doing so, it was made into an unsinkable ship. The word pitch is a very interesting word. It means, it means this. It's a word for atonement. It means to cover. It has the ideal of, of being reconciled. Atonement means being reconciled through Jesus. It means this. Tonight when God looks at you as one of His children, He sees something before He sees anything else. Before He sees your your infirmity, and yet he's moved by infirmities before he sees any of that. He sees the atoning, the covering blood of Jesus Christ, his son. The first thing he sees is that covering of blood on your soul. And I want you to know tonight, that word has ideal, and God says, that's one of mine. Satan comes and says, do you see what they've done this week? And God says, my soul, I'm a-looking, but all I see is the blood. And as long as I see the blood, I'll pass over you every single time. Tonight, we need to understand the ceiling of that ship. I don't know you can live all you want to these people. My grandfather was a free-will Baptist preacher all of his life. And he believed he could lose his salvation. And he lived his whole life believing that. I want you to know tonight, hallelujah, I couldn't lose what I've got if I wanted to. Number one, it's a free gift of God. Number two, once you're saved, you're always saved. Let me help some of you. My, My daughters are here tonight. And no matter, the relationship can get strained. But because of DNA, they can never deny that they're my children. It's in the blood. It's in the blood. Just like Cody will never deny that he's Jimmy's son. He, I don't care. The relationship can be strained, but he will never, you know why? Because it's in the blood. The DNA's in the blood. And they can run a DNA test. And they can say this, isn't it amazing? And they can put that thing and say, you know, there is a million chance to one that it, 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 it the odds is tremendous in it amazing. I see the ceiling of the ship. I see the size of the ship. I'm not going to go into all the sizes, but it's 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, 45 feet high. It was, it was 
45 stories long, 8 stories wide, 5 stories high. It has 3 million cubic feet of room in it. Modern shipmakers tell us it is the absolute perfect size to build a ship. Isn't that amazing? Here's what it literally was. This was literally nothing more than a box or a coffin. Is all it was. It's all it was. And again, this ship was symbolic of the death of the Lord Jesus. And in His death... We are delivered from the wrath to come. The structure of the ship. Ship had only one door, and we could go. You've all heard this. Had one door in the ship. Right? Just they were one way to get in. You're not they two doors. There's one door in the ship. There's one window. The only place you can look up, and the only place sunshine came in was from the top down. If you wanted to look up, you had to look up. There was three floors in the ship. Speaking of the body, the soul, and the spirit. We are three-part being. I see the security of the ship. Behold, I, even I, will bring a flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh. Where it is the breath of life. From under heaven and everything that is in earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant now shall come into the ark, thou and my sons and thy wives and thy sons' wives with thee. Ark reminds us, I don't care how bad the storm gets, hallelujah, we are eternally secure in the Lord. Then I love this. I see the supply of the ship. Now shall take thee of all the water that is food that is eating, and thou shall gather it to thee, and it shall be food for thee and for them. I want you to know, God. There's folks here tonight that have faced some unsurmountable odds in the last few weeks. They could pop up tonight and tell you God's provided. God's been good. Do you know that? Do you know that? I'm going to be done with this. I shared this this morning with our deacons and we prayed at 8.30. You can live life in one of two ways. You can live life tight-fisted just like that. They have one problem with that. God cannot do anything and put anything in your hand. It's closed. I said this morning, I've given a lot of things out in an open hand and sometimes that's been abused. It ain't been done right. But I refuse to close my hand because of one or two abusers. I want an open hand. I want an open hand to help that one that, that I can help. Somebody's hungry, I want to feed them. Somebody needs a hand, I want to help them. You know why? Because as long as I've got an open hand, there's a God in heaven that can always put something in that hand. If it's closed, God can't do anything for you and won't do anything. I told this story this morning. The little boy goes into the store, and, and there's, a, there's a big old thing of candy there, and the man says, son, dip your hand in that and get you some candy. He just stands there. Son, go ahead. Go ahead, son. Stick your hand in there and get you some candy. 
And he just stands there. About that time, the man on the store, he reached in his big old hand and he got a whole handful. And the little boy just grabbed his shirt and he just dumped it all right in front of him. And walking out, his daddy said, Son, why didn't you stick in and I get something? You're not bashful like that. He said, No, Dad, his hand's bigger than mine. Here tonight, some of you are learning that his hand's bigger than yours. Tonight, God supplies every need that we have. I hope tonight that you're on board. Praise God, I'm a passenger on board the HMS Deliverance. How about you? Amen. Let's all stand to our feet.